So though uh, you and I uh, do no longer worship at uh, the tabernacle of the wilderness that God placed in the design of that uh, principles that do not change because God does not change. And God has uh, helped us to see some things that have been a blessing for us. And what is the principle of of the tabernacle. Why did God give the tabernacle in the first place? What did He hope to accomplish by that? Okay, He wanted to dwell with men and He wanted to make Himself accessible to uh, man. And uh, in the design of the tabernacle, there's the outer fence and what would that first communicate to, to any person that was, uh, would approach God, uh, the God who wanted to be accessible, who wanted men to meet with Him? They would come to the linen fence and they would see that what uh, stood between them and God? What was the problem separating God from man? How would uh, he, Our brother says sin, and how would we know that? Steve? Okay, and what does that obstacle symbolize, Ken? Okay, and this symbolized God's righteousness. And so we have the outer fence that here's God is going to dwell with man. Man approaches to the tabernacle and immediately is struck by the separation between God and man, not an intellectual separation, not a separation of, uh, of mere uh, concept of God, not a separation of a, of, uh, a higher need of higher consciousness, that the separation between God and man was a moral separation. And that principle has not changed, has it? You and I no longer uh, minister uh, through the tabernacle, but the problem between God and man in 1984 is still a moral problem. You can't get to God by TM, LSD, uh, reading books, uh, going to Stonehenge, all these other things. Uh, those things have nothing to do with the problem. The problem is a moral problem. Amen. And so there was a uh, one access and one alone, and this is the gate that is here. And we won't go into that, but we saw that that was a picture of Jesus. The brazen altar where sin is dealt with, the laver where... Uh, where the continual cleansing of the Word of God takes place. And now we've come to this place in the... Uh, we want to discuss the outer uh, perimeter or the outer walls of the tabernacle proper. The, we have here the uh, holy place and here the holy of holies or the most holy place. And uh, there's furniture that is involved here. Now, uh, who can help us? What are the walls of this uh, tabernacle made out of? Okay, uh, and uh, what else? Okay. Okay, uh, it is uh, made of acacia wood and then surrounded by gold, and then it fits into, uh, down the bottom here, 
fits into silver sockets that are stuck in the ground. And so all these are put together, the the wood and the and the gold. We saw that this is a picture, maybe interpreted as a picture of Christ, but also can be interpreted as a picture of the church. Amen. That you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost corporately, not just individually. Jesus dwells in our hearts. We are each a temple of the Holy Ghost, and that understanding, but we are also built together to be an habitation of God by the Spirit. And so these, uh, uh, this is illustrated for us uh, here. We talked about that uh, if, this, uh, if God is going to dwell in this, it's going to mean that this is going to have to stay erect. It's going to have to exist as a facility, as a building. If it just is falling apart and, uh, and, the, uh, and the boards are lying everywhere, then God's not going to dwell. God's only going to dwell as that stands uh, erect. There's uh, uh, 20 of these across here. And then there are six here with the corner one on either side. And so these must stand. And what's the first way in which these boards stand? How do they stand erect? Okay, they first stand in uh, these silver sockets which is a picture of our redemption. Now, how did we know that that silver was a picture of our redemption? Anybody remember? Kathy? Okay, everybody had to redeem himself with half a shekel of silver. That was a part of their demonstration of the fact that they were redeemed people. They gave uh, this half shekel of ransom money, redemption money, and this same uh, silver that they gave was used to make these silver sockets. And so, first of all, the Christian's life is based upon the work of Jesus Christ in redemption. That that is what uh, our lives are based on, that it is not based on uh, how we feel at any given moment. It's not based on uh, how we happen to uh, see ourselves at, at any given time, but our standing is on the finished work of Calvary's cross. Our standing uh, is there, and then our lives are based upon the fact that we have been redeemed. Our whole life is lived in that understanding that we are no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. And so all the decisions of life, all that we do, must be based on the fact that you and I no longer belong to us. We're no longer just autonomous individuals that just walk through life just making whatever decisions we feel like making. We don't belong to us anymore. We answer to God. And so everything that we do in life is in line with our King, Rod. Amen. Yes. The Acacia Wood was at one time rooted in the earth, rooted in the world, 
took all of its values, all of its life, everything totally world-oriented. But to become part of the tabernacle of God, it had to be cut loose from the world and then reset in the world, but now in the silver sockets of redemption. Now in the world, but not of the world. Still uh, breathing air, still uh, eating tacos, still uh, doing all the things uh, that we did in terms of human life, but now our whole orientation to the world is that this world is not our home. That we don't draw our values and, and our, the sustenance and our identity from the world anymore, but from these silver sockets. Boy, Jesus has purchased us and given us new life. Now, what happens if we decide, well, we'll just put, you know, one foot in a socket and one foot in the world, and that'll be the best of both worlds. We can still, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we don't want to turn anybody off by telling them about Jesus or thinking that we're holier than thou, and so tell a few dirty jokes, you know, uh, cuss a little bit, uh, just little, uh, you know, minor uh, cusses and, and uh, uh, these type of things, and that'll just demonstrate uh, that we're still human, we're still okay, but, uh, but uh, we also, you know, we go to church on Sunday, and, and uh, you know, we uh, sometimes, if we're not doing anything else, there's nothing good on TV, we come to Wednesday night service as well. See, boards don't stand up that way. Amen. They fall flat on their face. Jeff? Okay, if our, if our perception of, of who he is is off, then uh, that will give us some problems. Yes. If, uh, if our perception of the work of Calvary is off, then we'll have great trouble. This is, uh, uh, the, you know, we, we have uh, tremendous difficulty to say, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, based on, uh, on these sockets of redemption. I know that Jesus paid the price for my sin, but uh, uh, I still have to do this and this and this and this to be saved. Not, the, not a finished work, but, you know, something I have to add to. Yeah, then we're in tremendous difficulty. Yes, right. And uh, so we're, uh, it's really uh, also a picture of uh, the necessity uh, or the value of every believer. That when you uh, lay out of the assembly, I said, well, they won't miss me. Well, you know, it might take uh, uh, me three or five services to notice you're not here. It might take Pastor Mitchell one or two, but God knows immediately that you're not here. And there's something missing when you're not here. You're an important part. See, what happens if we cut ourselves off from the world and then we decide that we want to go back and stick ourselves in the world without redemption? We just want to go back and live for the world again. What would happen to a nice piece of a case you would if you stuck it back in the world? Uh, Ron. to die. Rot and terrible, terrible things. Amen. Okay, we're going to... So first of all, if uh, this is going to stand, if you and I are going to 
uh, actually be uh, part of the uh, the assembly, and we're going to uh, be involved in being the temple of uh, the Holy Ghost and a corporate uh, experience. Then you and I need to be grounded upon our redemption first and foremost. We need to uh, be uh, established on the finished work of Calvary. Okay. Secondly. Not only did these boards stand erect because they were in silver sockets, but secondly, because they uh, stood next to one another. And Dave began to allude to this, uh, and we want to look at that. So, there was a stability that came not just because both tenons were in these two sockets, but that, that may offer certain amount of stability to life, but that these boards also needed to be side by side related one to another. Let's look at some scriptures. First Thessalonians 5.11. Somebody over this side. Todd Purden. Uh, Dwayne Hebrews 3.13. And uh, Mike Elsis, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. They we say, well, all I need is Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. Well, that, that's true. All you need is Jesus to be saved. All you need to do is repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary's cross, and you're saved. You don't need anybody to save you. You don't need anybody to be saved in the sense that you, uh, that unless you are related, you cannot be saved. But see, we're not just talking about your initial salvation experience. We're talking about your standing and being part of what God is doing. You may be saved, but if you want to be part of what God is doing and everything God is doing, He's doing through the assembly, then you're going to have to be related one to the other. See, God's purpose in the earth is the assembly. God's doing everything God will do. God wants to move through the church, the local assembly. You and I, we can be saved, but if we want to be involved in what God is doing, then we're going to need to be related one to another, or we will not stand and we will not be apart. First Thessalonians 5.11 Okay, good. Hebrews 3.13. All right. Exhort one another. If you're a Lone Ranger Christian, then you don't understand this. Or you may get together and, and share a few Christian cliches every once in a while, but we're talking about exhorting one another about where we really live with people that we're related to, that we actually know, and that it's not shallow cliches, but we really care one for another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Okay. 
The whole letter of Hebrews is written to the Hebrew believers that at this time were wavering. They were going through tremendous difficulty. There were persecution they were receiving. There was uh, uh, false doctrine and legalism that they were being uh, seduced with. Tremendous problems among the Hebrew believers. And uh, the whole book of Hebrews is seeking to uh, uh, help stabilize these individuals. But one of the themes that runs through that book is stick together, assemble, fellowship, be a part of the people of God. And this will help in your stability. See, God, uh, this is God's plan for stability in the Christian life. Anybody gets saved, uh, you, that's what you tell them. You need to read your Bible, you need to pray, and you need to fellowship. You need other people. Well, do they need other people uh, to, to be born again? Did, that, did they need somebody else to do something on them so they could be born again? No, but to grow and to be part of what God is doing, uh, to not fall flat on their face and, uh, and miss out with God, they need to be related one to another. We understand that. We tell people that. And so we may think that we have uh, a better idea. You may think that you've got something, you've got the corner on the market. Uh, you've got some uh, higher revelation where you don't need to come to church and you don't need to be related to other believers. But if we'll remember, God said this is the pattern. In chapter 25, verse 40, he says, And look that thou make them after the pattern which was showed thee on the mount, and then in this uh, in this chapter, it says that uh, as well to that the, you need to be a part, uh, and you need to do it exactly. Verse thirty: And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle. What we're talking about, according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee on the mount. See, theoretically, that this board doesn't need other boards to stand. Theoretically, say, well, no, I could stand be my own board, no problem. But see, you and I, the great problem with the Church of Jesus Christ today is they function by theory and not by pattern. You and I are not called to theorize about what might be true and what might work. We're to follow the pattern. The book of Acts is not something that you deduce theories about church growth from. The book of Acts is a pattern for you and I to follow. And so the theory that you have in your mind about how it can be just you and Jesus, Lone Ranger Christian, or a jackrabbit hop from assembly to assembly to assembly, and just your little, uh, Jesus' little bumblebee, you know, going from flower to flower to flower, and just uh, getting whatever you want from here and there, then you're, that may sound good in theory, but that's not the pattern of the Word of God. See, that's a violation of the whole Christian life. Christian life is not you going to places so you can get all the time. You'll, uh, you'll die. You'll be like the Dead Sea. That you'll receive, 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 and uh, you'll be full of wealth, uh, but you'll be dead. That the Christian life involves the flow uh, and the, the receiving of giving and taking in relationship. And you may hop from flower to flower to flower and think that this you're getting all the best out of Christianity, but you're missing the best out of Christianity. 
Because the best out of Christianity is having an assembly and having some people that care about you. Yes. As they're related together, there's a stability that's there. Good. Dwayne? Yeah. Amen. Exhortation is not just a slap on the back as the one moment experience, uh, but uh, you and I need a lot of exhorting. We need a lot of encouragement. And, uh, and we don't need, the, as I said, the shallow uh, Lord bless you's be warmed and filled that we get from, uh, uh, from superficial contact with a, you know, a jackrabbit and around, but it's from people that are related to us. Brother Kayla? Good, good. Yeah, it's really uh, wonderful that, that if we could put this in a vacuum, then pr no problem, you know. But how many of us live in a vacuum? How many of us live without uh, the winds and the rains and the assaults and, the, and all the other things of life? If we lived in a vacuum, if there was some glass case they put us in when we got saved and, uh, uh, and that was our experience, uh, then maybe we might be able to relate. Uh, but see, we're talking about uh, uh, living in life and we need one another. Brother Barraclough, did you have a... Amen. Amen. See, uh, that... That uh, this is uh, when we assemble. That's as that's as real as God gets to the world. I know that when I, you know, when I'm living in the world and witnessing for Jesus, that that I'm a demonstration of the reality of God because He dwells in my life. But I'll tell you, when God gets real, is when we're assembled together, and uh, that's. It's just amazing. People come in. You witness to them all the time. They come to the assembly and boy, they, they get saved because there's a reality that's here that you and I uh, thank God for His reality in our lives and, and the demonstration of His, of His grace and His love through us. But it's when we assemble that God is really real. Good. Okay. Uh, let's look at another couple of scriptures. Ephesians 2.21. Someone in here, uh, Louis, and then Morgan, Ephesians 4, 16. Amen. So we're talking about a local and related group of people. This is, uh, 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 this is something that you and I, uh, we're not talking about uh, the universal uh, church. The, you know, we just uh, pick up our board and, and uh, you know, we just uh, uh, hobble from one tabernacle uh, to another. God wants us uh, to lock in and relate to an assembly, to a group of people, to be joined together to let God do what He wants to do in our lives. Ephesians 2.21. Okay, being built together. Ephesians 4, 16. Amen. So, you and I need to understand, we're talking about that God's plan for your life is that you be related to an assembly. That there are times, I understand, where people, uh, they're saved, they're looking for what... Uh, for place to ground their lives and they're, and they're seeking that. 
but uh, and there's that's tremendous. That's excellent. We're not talking about uh, your a search that you might be on if you're visiting this morning and you're uh, seeking to be related to an assembly. We're talking about a, a lifestyle that is. Uh, I'm I'm just going to bop and I'm just going to go here and there and here and there and I'll just uh, uh, get what I can and it is totally reversed of what Christianity is all about. God wants you locked in to an assembly. When we're, right, uh, when we're rightly related to Jesus, it's then and only then that we can be related uh, rightly one to another. John 4, 20 and 21, Brother Norm Bernier, that it is when you and I are right with Jesus, you and I can be right one with another. Go ahead, Brother. First John four twenty and twenty one. I'm sorry, first John. I didn't make myself clear. My my fault. So you and I have trouble, uh, you know, those boards, uh, they're going to uh, not be related, right? If, they're, if we're not locked into Jesus, then uh, our, we're not going to fit together as one. There's not going to be any unity unless you and I are grounded in the person of Jesus Christ and right, rightly related to Him. Do you have that? Amen. And so this is... Uh, in, a, in the generation in which you and I live, in the, uh, the watchword of the, is love. Everybody is talking about love, and yet uh, this love, this agape love, is not bumblebee love. It's not parasite love. That we have a whole uh, church world of things that, that love is the answer, and love is, yes, the answer uh, if it's really love. But love is talking about commitment. It's talking about sacrifice. It's talking about giving. It's talking about a lot of things that, that you can never have. I'm sorry, if you're not locked into a family. If you're, if you're, uh, if you, you know, if you're just, uh, you know, Solomon. You've got a thousand wives or whatever. I'm sorry, you're just not going to have uh, the relationship that you could have if you had just one wife. And the same goes, uh, you say, well, boy, I've just got a lot of love. I've got to spread it around, you know. Uh, but that's, uh, that'll never work. That, and the same goes with your, your relationship to an assembly. That you'll only experience the fullness uh, of what that Scripture is talking about when you're locked into a local church. Amen. Do we have any comments on that, Brother Ike? Yes, he's always uh, looking for the straggler, the one that's not related to the rest. See, if, if, uh, if two walk together and one falls down, the other can pick the other one up. But if you fall down and you're all alone and there's nobody that cares about you, that's really related to you, then when you fall, you're down. That's what the Bible says. Well, here's our brother talking from his work experience. Here's a wall built beautifully, wonderful, glorious wall. First wall, uh, first church of the wall. It just, it's, it's there and it looks great, but it's a uh, uh, gust of wind and it's knocked over. Amen. We're meant to, to be related one to another. Good comment. Okay. Uh, 
Brother Ron, tell us, uh, if you can, about uh, the polls. Okay, so we have the boards there, uh, again, in these silver sockets. And then, uh, so they're first grounded upon the work of Jesus Christ. Secondly, side by side, related one to another. But we've still got uh, the problem, though they're not going down this way, and though they're doing good this way, there's still this that can happen. we still got one place where we need to uh, keep these boards standing, and that is these poles that are here. These poles go through, and there are five of these poles uh, that are there. Amen. And... Uh, just wanted to, okay, in our text, and thou shalt make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards of the side, one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the board shall reach from end to end, and thou shalt overlay the boards with gold, and make their rings of gold for places for the bars, and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold, and thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee on the mount. And so we have these, uh, these poles that are there to keep that uh, from going back and forth. It keeps the wind from blowing those boards down. It keeps those boards united and related together. Not only related to Jesus, related to one another, but these poles that keep them related one to another. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. If somebody could find that Rod Olmsted, Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And uh, this has to do with our the poles or we're talking about uh, headship. Amen. Could you read that for us? Okay. So here we have the protection against the wind, the keeping the body related, allowing the the process to uh, to take place of ministry one to another. You say, well, that's what uh, Jesus does all that. Well, no, he gave some apostles, pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers. And uh, we're talking about something that, yes, uh, that's something that Jesus does, uh, but he does that through headship. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men, the passage says. And so, though it is uh, uh, Jesus doing that work, he's doing that work through his leadership. So these five bars can symbolize the five offices of, uh, of, uh, and, and five uh, gifts to the church, ascension gifts, uh, 
uh, people uh, list them different ways. Uh, uh, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, or apostles down the more foundational, uh, uh, you know, whichever way you want to do it and uh, list them from top to bottom in, or from bottom to top. Uh, I don't think it, uh, it makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, but you notice that this middle board, every time the middle board is this uh, evangelist that goes, that runs uh, all the way through on all of either side, that this, uh, uh, this gift of evangelism, this thing that, uh, that involves evangelism is, uh, evangelism is something that needs to run through the entire assembly and uh, be, be part of the work that goes on in the church today. So we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that keep the thing from falling and going uh, to smash. Amen. So, uh, you may say that you don't need a pastor, that you don't need headship, that you don't need leadership in your life, but this uh, you're rejecting God's plan. Jesus gave those gifts to the church. You're not to reject the gift of Jesus to your life and to the life of the church. You and I are not relate, rightly related to godly headship, then you've, we find ourselves tossed to and fro, swallowing every wind of doctrine, uh, running 16 million different directions without a, a, a clear vision and a clear direction for our lives. The early church needed headship for stability and for strength. Galatians 1, 6 and 7. Someone over here. Uh, Bob Kaler, uh, Dave Burke, 1 Timothy 1, uh, 18 and 19, uh, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, Mick Woodcock, Randy Foster, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. The early church required uh, headship to uh, keep that church uh, going and keeping, to keep that church functioning. And you and I are not any different today. This is part of God's pattern. You say, well, I don't... Theoretically, I can make... I just read my Bible by myself, get some tapes, watch uh, uh, Brother So-and-So on the television. Theoretically, that's all I need. I'm getting the Word and I'm getting all of this stuff. But that may be good theory, but that doesn't line up with the Bible. The pattern is that you and I need a shepherd. You and I need someone to care for us, someone who's committed to us, someone who's going to go through the worst with us, that's going to pray with us, that's going to help us and keep us as an assembly moving in the will and the pattern of God. There's umpteen million thousand diversions that the church is involved in this morning. Uh, assemblies meeting all over the earth. Uh, shouting one thing, uh, waving this banner and that banner, and the world is going unevangelized and people perishing without Jesus Christ because there's not leadership that'll stand and say, God's called us to reach the world. God's called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Church world today is suffering from a lack of godly leadership. Amen. Paul was uh, uh, an apostle. Paul uh, uh, gave leadership and brought stability and strength to the church. Amen. Galatians 1, 6 and 7. Okay, he's telling these people 
get back on course. You just received another gospel. Here's headship uh, uh, helping uh, an assembly uh, get back on track uh, in doctrine. Good. First Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Okay, here's Tim, uh, Paul talking to his disciple, Timothy. And uh, it's in, you know, say, well, you know, Timothy, just go read Isaiah and, and uh, you know, just uh, hopefully God will speak to you. He says, Timothy, you need to watch out now, son. You need to be careful because men have shipwrecked because of these things and you need to hold fast or you're going to lose out with God. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Amen. So he's saying, uh, you go forward, you keep on going, don't cast away your confidence. This is a leader who, is, uh, who has gone before them, a leader who has experienced some things, seen some things, uh, saw problems in their lives that they felt, ah, no big deal, uh, this, uh, this isn't any problem. But Paul had seen uh, shipwrecks before and he said, no, you watch out, don't cast away your confidence, uh, keep on going for Jesus. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Okay, here he is uh, uh, rebuking the Corinthian church. Said, you guys are just babies. You need to grow up. Uh, how, you know, what right did he have to say? Why didn't he, uh, you know, just uh, send some tapes or, or uh, just figure, well, they'll see it on TV or, or uh, some other thing. But he, was, uh, he felt uh, a responsibility for that church. He had a commitment to that church and not lording over that church, but serving that church said, listen, buddy, you need to wake up. You need to grow up. Uh, you're still babies in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, we read uh, the book of Acts and uh, we uh, uh, use that for a, uh, a pattern and, and we need to use that for a pattern. And Acts chapter 1 is a very critical portion of the book of Acts because in Acts chapter 1 there are being the final things are being put into place for God to pour out revival. In Acts chapter 1 there are some things that are all... Uh, uh, Cause to come into line that allows God to move in Acts chapter 1, uh, Acts chapter 2 rather, and to cause people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in other tongues, and 3,000 saved. Now we know that that had to do with Jesus saying, uh, talking about the promise of the Holy Ghost, giving them another commission, but it also involved the selecting of headship. If you read Acts chapter 1, the major portion of that chapter is given to the replacing of Judas uh, with uh, uh, a new apostle, and that's not to be lost. The significance of that should not be lost on our lives. That God wanted to place headship in right relationship before He poured out His Spirit. And so you and I need to understand that that is a critical thing. Amen. I, I'm just going to close just to make this statement. These, how, what keeps these, bo these poles? Gold rings. And what does gold mean? God. Amen. These are not held by a Casey Wood committees. Amen. These are not held by votes. They're held there by God. The other thing is, is if 
you're not held there by God, then nothing else is going to keep you up. Amen. You're not, programs aren't going to keep you there. Uh, popularity is not going to keep you there. God holds leadership in, the, in its place. And, that's, uh, and uh, that uh, is a tremendous protection for you and I uh, to, uh, that, uh, that carnal men wouldn't cast out godly leadership. And it's also tremendous uh, uh, understanding uh, that if you and I, if God doesn't help us, then we're not going to be helped. We can be religious, but if we're going to be the men and women of God, uh, we're going to need to have God hold us. Amen. We're going to begin church. Thank you.